Hello, my European friends, and welcome to Three Europeans Walk Into a Bar, a weekly earful of topical Eurospeak with me, your host, Englishman, David Christopher, and featuring Italian man, Marco Magini, tanto va la gatta lardo che ci lascia lo zampino, wow, and Irish woman, Karen Daly, Gujay Maratatu, and today we're going to be discussing the economic downturn and its effects upon some of the hardest hit European countries. Karen, would you mind telling me a little bit about how things are going in Ireland? I understand you were back there recently. Yes, I was back there last weekend and I hadn't been home since September and it was only when I went back last weekend that I saw how bad it actually is. The news is dominated with stories of job losses, wages cut, my three members of my family have had salary cuts of 10%, wow. which is tough when you've got a mortgage. Where do they work? Um, my sister works in IT and my brother works in hospitality and my other brother works in the service industry. So it's in just the across the board. It's everything. Everybody is, is losing jobs, losing money. And there's, there's also a feeling that um, companies are using the credit crisis, the recession, as an excuse to get rid of people that they don't want and to save money because salaries are quite high in Ireland. What are, it's very difficult to um, sack people in England. Um, is it difficult in, in Ireland? It, it is. It depends where you work and if you're in a heavily unionised industry. Right, right. Which in, it had been increasingly going away from unionisation and the likes of Ryanair don't permit you to be in a, in a union. Oh. So it's going towards a more capitalist uh-huh, kind yeah. of country. But with the crisis, um, people who are in jobs, people who have contract jobs, uh-huh. It's hard to get rid of them. You need to give proper... There are laws, so you need to yeah. give proper redundancy packages. The The people who are worst affected are people in trades because they don't have contracts. A lot of them aren't even on the books. So what's morale like? Well, initially it was fear. People weren't changing jobs. People were... If you had a job, you were staying there. Even people who were receiving... But people were, who were getting new jobs at better salaries... One of my friends works in recruitment and she was saying people just weren't taking them because they were afraid last in for a stage. Exactly, that's true, yeah. Um, but now I think people are kind of getting through it. There, there is good social benefits. The problem is people who have mortgages, who have to pay their mortgage and have children. Um, are people getting into debt because they're losing their... Well, there's, there's no credit anymore. Oh, so really? So they can't get into they debt. They can't really get into debt more than the credit facilities you already have. It's becoming a lot more costly if you've lost wages. So if you've lost yeah. 200 euro a month, that, that's really going to affect you. If you take the average in industrial wage in Ireland is 36,000 euro, which right. is quite high, but yeah. your average mortgage is 1,500 euro. Okay. And that would be just, I'm saying average in the people who are my age, who are in the first time buyers category. And property prices? They're falling. They're falling a lot. Right. But they were ridiculously high and people right. were getting 100% mortgages. This right. is the problem because okay. everybody is in serious debt. And because we were a rich economy, it was perceived we couldn't fall. We, were, we had the Celtic Tiger mm-hmm. and then we fell hard. Yeah, Italian situation was it's fairly different than the Irish one. Uh, the growth was already very low in Italy. We were talking about 0.1% growth in the last five years. So we didn't, we didn't have any big expectation. And this in a way helped because we didn't get into debt as deeply as other countries did. Also because we're not so internationally oriented from an economic point of view. So this year, the downturn is going to be pretty hard on Italy as well. We are going in a recession of uh, something between 1% and 2% according to IMF and right. a few other sources. It's quite hardly hitting, especially young people, especially my friends, like the people right. that get out of university. It's very hard to get a job because most of the job that they were giving uh, factors out for graduating people like that were part-time jobs. 
And right now, what uh, the first contracts that are throwing them away are the part-time contracts. Right. Yeah. The the funny things in Italy is that you you don't have like a, a public figure that because since these people are not considered as employed now that they are unemployed, they are not even considered as unemployed because they are not on a normal contract, so they are just invisible. And so when we say that in the last months in Italy there were a loss of four hundred thousand jobs, plus there are these people that were on contract, they are not going to be renew after. How are people dealing with this, uh, and what do, what do people expect is going to come of this? Well, there is a what well, the, the moral in Italy is very low, but I would say from quite a few years, there are like the the main like young people that can are like going away. That's the 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 big trend. If you live like in London, there are hundred and sixty thousand skilled Italian living in London. Right. There are seventy thousand in Barcelona, and uh, that's uh, kind of a big issue, because we have a very small amount of skilled labor, and the small amount is flying away. I was reading an Italian newspaper that there was uh, the um, the university union from Sweden uh, suggested to Swedish university to hire Italian uh, graduates because they're very skilled and they're not expecting a high wages. Right. We are the new low labor industry. That's one of the good things about Europe perhaps is um, the mobility of labor. Essentially you can up and you can go and get a job in another country. Just half of the story because the, the people that can just leave are the people that have a, a kind of a knowledge that they can sell somewhere else. Uh, as yeah. you saw, like probably last month in England, there was this kind of strike because of Italian that were yep. Uh, yep. hired in this. So you see, like the low skill that are people that uh, are, you know, more possibility to get unemployed are also the one that have less possibility to leave. A uh, very small amount of people start uh, go to university after high school, and a very very low amount of people leave university. We calculated that right now on the total population, eight percent of Italians have a university degree. So now there is a very big structural problem also. There, there is a big need, all the international uh, organizations are speaking about that in Italy, there is a big need for liberalization. When the, the previous government tried to liberalize very small sector, like basic thing in England you would never think about, like allowing supermarket to sell um, drugs or medical stuff, or like liberalizing the fact that everybody that wants to own a taxi can own a taxi. Lots of people went on the streets, big strides, even riots in Rome for the taxi driver, so nothing was done. So I think that Italy is a whole country. We have a very low fertility and the average, mm. the average age is very high. At the same time, there is no possibility of change. And that's why... People were rioting to stop the change. Taxi. To stop the change. Right. Everybody wants to keep its status quo. So whoever has... Even if it means, you know, just you know, pharmaceutical drugs in supermarkets. Or, People don't want it. Or liberalize like gas station, like very small basic things. They're not even touching high interest because nobody would dare doing that. But even the low interest. And that's what I think people are losing hope for because they know that nothing will change because even when you try to make something so small, it doesn't work. It seems to me like Silvio Berlusconi has quite a lot of power. Um, he seems to have quite a tight grip on power. Um, I would have thought that he would be able to, you know, push through reforms like that. Yeah, that's, you know, the economist was pointed out that maybe now that has such a huge majority would try to uh, push in reform. But what we saw until now is that he basically took more care of his own interest. If we, a, a concrete example maybe will help. Um, if you look about Alitalia, which is our national airplane company, mm. uh, um, uh, in April, there was uh, during the 
the electoral campaign. There was a big debate because the previous government wanted to sell it to Air France, which would have yeah. more money to Italy and uh, less people would get fired. Berlusconi made a big point about that by saying that we should not sell our own national company to a foreign company. But so, wasn't Alitalia on the verge of going bust? Yes. After 9-11, they were... One of the ones that was lucky to survive. Actually, actually, in the 90s, like every single Italian, I'm not sure about the data, but paid something around 10,000 euro of their, uh, our own taxes to keep uh, Alitalia flying. And the funny thing is that at the end, he sold to this Italian... Entrepreneur. Yeah, entrepreneur that are kind of linked to him. And yeah. uh, we kept as public the debts, and they just got the gain. And uh, 10,000 people more get fired. And nobody said a single thing about it. Nobody that. protested against nobody this? Protested. There was a little protest from the people that were fired. But uh, the thing, that was it. But don't they try and away. bring pharmaceutical drugs into a supermarket. Yes. Or they'll be hell. <laughs> so does it look like Silvio Berlusconi um, is going to be able to retain power uh, during this economic downturn? Uh, there was a statistic about the... Um, the polls for the next European election coming in June, they were showing that uh, his party is going to be winning overwhelming. Like right. his, uh, his coalition, his own party is going to keep basically the same amount of vote, which is already quite a lot. But the more the more right-wing party on his coalition, which is Re- uh, Lega Nord, which is a North Italian xenophobic basically um, party, is going to gain like a lot of votes and then reach something between 10 and 12 percent. And why is that? Um, what, what is that? Well, reflect? I think there is... Well, there's a fact in general that I think is going to spread all over Europe. That's, you know, when there is a downturn in the economics and when there are harder time, people tend to find, you know, be overwhelmed by their fears and choose more extreme, the extreme of the the spectrum. So whoever is giving a more simplistic uh, solution to the problem, for example, just kicking foreign foreign away or uh, give the jobs to the Italian, Mm -hmm. they will gain more they will get more popularity, I guess. Mm. And at the same time, there is the fact that you, you cannot speak about that in Italy. I hope nobody's going to hear that. But he's really controlling all the old media. You know, he's on three TVs and the other three are public. So there are six channels. Three of them, he owns them personally. The other three of them, they're uh, co- uh, controlled by the government and he's the prime minister. Yeah. TV is the only way people get their information to. So what is real, it's what is in TV. If it's out of TV, it doesn't exist. Um, and how about in Ireland? What does the political situation look like in Ireland? Well, um, our political parties are not as popular as... Berlusconi might be <laughs> um, basically we voted back in the same government with a different coalition but the major party was voted back in two years ago so they had all the glory years they spent all the money and I think what's happening now is they to get back into government two years ago they continued to spend money and they promised and promised and promised and then of course belts had to be tightened they're cutting health budgets they're cutting education which is also Do people think that they knew that they uh, yes there is a definite sense that these people knew ignored the signs and didn't prepare and that is why things are so bad at the moment we've had nationalized banks uh, corruption is coming out as well that the anglo-irish bank needed money to inflate their share price they loaned 10 capitalists money from a from the bank and then to allow them to invest in the bank to inflate the share price and allow another major guy to get out uh, without dropping the price of the shares. Right, right. So he but sold But then his. they said, OK, if, if, it, if the price drops, they're underwriting the debt. Um, it emerged that perhaps people who are members of the government were part of this, they're calling them the golden circle, or part of this consortium. So this has seriously annoyed 
the common Irish person who doesn't have tens of millions. And now, because the bank is being nationalised, we're paying for it. To be honest, it's a catalyst for a lot of what's going on with the protests and the strikes because now the common person is saying, well, why should I pay for this when my job is, is at risk? But because of this, the, um, the political party has been, I think, irreparably damaged. I would, I would have always voted for them because I've put my trust in them because I've grown up in Celtic Tiger, Ireland. I didn't know anything different than yeah. riches. And now that you've seen, okay, actually, they maybe didn't have our priorities at their forefront the entire time that they were in government, that their flaws are being exposed all over the place. So I think it's a coalition government and the minority party have stopped going to cabinet meetings with them. So they're already backing away because they're only new. They only got in last time. So they're already backing away. It's, it's very hard for an Irish person to actually really hate it. We won't throw you out until you've, you've done something really, really bad. So it's kind of... Why is that? It's, it's our culture. We, we are really forgiving in a like pathetic way. And we'll just say, oh, That's it's fine. Like they did it, but they're all doing it. So it's like it's assumed like this is infecting all of the political parties. So like with Fianna Fáil are doing it, Fine Gael and Sinn Féin and everybody else is probably doing it. See, there's something interesting there, I think, that the, the Irish share with the Italians. A feeling of helplessness or is it a feeling of um, freedom? You know, and just letting f- other people make these decisions I for you. I think it's a feeling of we're not going to change anything, so why bother? So fatalism, kind of, um, and, and do, you, yeah. you, do you just feel that politicians are inherently corrupt and so that's okay? Or? Yeah, that, I mean, that's the feeling in Italy. I don't know if it's the same for Ireland, but we are a very strong Catholic country, and we always have this idea of forgiveness. Then you go to the priest and you say your sins, and if you, if you did them, then you are, go, walk out of church and you're fine with that. Right. And that's the same with our politicians. Everybody's doing the same. That I don't know if it's the same in it's England. A, it sounds the same as Ireland. So yeah. perhaps it's a Catholic. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, let's blame religion. <laughs> <laughs> no. Yeah, no. It's certainly not the, not the case in England. I mean, we have a very strong blame culture. I think in Italy there is also the issue, and because I don't want to blame it on the Berlusconi government, that there is a lot of like discontent that doesn't find a way to be expressed. For example, in October there were 500,000 um, students in the streets of Rome and uh, several other 100,000 all over Europe. There was uh, even demonstration here in London. And uh, the problem is that the left party, the Democratic Party, is not finding a way to get all this discontent because the Democratic Party is kind of weird. They're like the, the synthesis of the old Communist Party and the Catholic Party. Right. So they are still trying to figure out who they are. Yes. But in the, in the minute, yeah. And you've, you've got to remember that Ireland and Italy are quite young countries. We're, we're only true. a country since 1922. We're still getting through our, our corrupt phases and figuring out what works and what doesn't work. So we're very, we're we, in our infancy still in, in comparison to France and So and what UK. effect do you think that has on the psyche, um, you know, of the Italian and the Irish people? I think that the recession is actually a good thing in some senses because it's ironing out Ireland is a, is a very greedy country and it's ironing out this. People aren't accepting it anymore. It's a catalyst for change and I think it's going to pull the prices back down, make Ireland in the end a better country. OK, in the, in the short term, there's going to be job losses, there's going to be pension cuts, but there's been recessions in Ireland in the 80s. We've lived through recessions. We're better placed this time because we're more educated. A lot more people are going to third level education. Even though the recession is bad, bad, bad news at the moment, I think it will actually improve Ireland in the medium term. Yeah, I, I agree. I think the, this recession in a way is a great opportunity. I think Italy is just really, really reached the bottom, so we can just go up after that. I think we're 
What the big problem in Italy is that we don't have any institution and any sense of institution. People are not following the law and they think that everybody just try to find its own way to get through things. We are just we have just big organizations, you know. Italy is not a it's yeah, it's a republic since for 1945, you know, you have to understand that we are just three parties in power in all our history. It doesn't strike me as a particularly entrepreneurial country. Um, yeah, we didn't like all the new bubbles Italy were, were we're not part of it. Like they, there's barely any IT in Italy. It's uh, there, it's there is a big fashion industry. It's all about uh, middle-sized factories that, with this crisis, are just disappearing every day because they are not competitive enough to compete with China. That uh, their products are way cheaper mm. and they're not uh, uh, good enough to offer something better than other factories around Europe. So they're just disappearing. Do we think that Europe is a harbor in this storm, or do we feel that if Ireland were to break away from Europe? they would have greater control, fiscal control, um, more sort of levers that they could pull. There is not a chance of Ireland breaking away from (laughs) Europe. As a nation, we don't have any faith in our government or the political, what's going on politically in Ireland. this has made Europe even more popular. Even more popular. There there has been absolutely no talk of breaking away from Europe. If there was a Lisbon Treaty, you know, rerun right uh, tomorrow. (laughs) I'm not sure we probably... (laughs) I think it's a bit of a stubborn thing on the Irish part because... We, they did it with us in, in the last treaty and we got it wrong the first time and we had to go again, get it right. And they know this time <laughs> that I think with the social unrest that's going on, I don't think you could have another Lisbon treaty right now. I think mm. you, they need to just leave it settle for a little while. But there is Europe is definitely popular. Ireland was always pro-Europe mm. And, mm. and always, even though it was expected that we wouldn't go into the euro because... Um, Britain, we have so much trade with Britain. At the eighty percent of our trade is to, of our exports go to Britain, so everybody thought we would stick with Britain, but we didn't, and we went in, and it, it worked for us at the time. And I think we're we're going to stay there. Perhaps this crisis might help us iron out um, some of the problems with the European Union as well, um, mm-hmm. in terms of banking regulations, things that are difficult to do when there aren't explicit reasons for them. And this might give us the explicit reasons. We got lots of handouts. We got a lot of money. We benefited an awful lot from the EU. So I'd say any reforms that were going to be introduced, they might, there might be some negative publicity around it. There will be groups that won't be wanting any changes brought in. Yeah. Um, so we might cause a bit of trouble in Europe over that, but that's because we generally cause trouble over any reforms because we want to keep getting the money that we've been getting in the past. Well, this money has to come from somewhere, and I think that some countries, uh, specifically I'm thinking of Germany, actually. The German mm-hmm. Bundesbank has to be for everything. The bank of last resort. Well, it seems that Angela Merkel is, is pulling away from these kind of uh, handouts. Perhaps Germany might be the ones to pull out rather than it being the smaller countries who are in the most trouble. Perhaps, and then we're all in trouble. No, I really don't think Germany is going to pull that. You know, after the Second World War, they have, uh, they have this German motto that was never again and never alone. So Europe is the right frame for Germany to operate on the international level. So there is, of, of, of course, everybody's trying to keep his uh, uh, seats and, and the electoral body calm, and so it's trying to look more inside, but I don't see that happening in Germany. If I see a threat, it's not this crisis. I think if you look at, for example, of global warming the, the, and the situation of uh, rising seas, who is going to pay for Holland when they're going to get all underwater? That, I think, is going to be a big issue for Europe. Who is going to take care of such a, a big issue? Oh, so that's the next crisis. That's the, I think, yeah, <laughs> that's the huge one. We need a, a Dutch person to come in next week. <laughs> um, so never again and never alone. I think that's a great uh, moment yeah. on which to end this podcast. Absolutely. Thank you, my guests, for coming along. Thank you. Thank you.